Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys out to another What Should I Do Wednesday, an opportunity for me to answer you guys' questions. I'm excited about these. I know I haven't done these in a couple of weeks, so and I know some of you guys have already copied and pasted and copied and pasted uh, your questions, but we are officially back at it, so I'm going to give you guys some time to come into the to the um, broadcast, the live stream. Hope you guys are doing exceptionally well. What's up, everybody? Also want to let you guys know that it's summertime. You know what that means, custom coaching, summer sessions with yours truly, one-on-one sessions you and I can have uh, for the next, from June 1st until August 10th. Uh, we've already have about 15 people um, sign up already um, and some other people just inquiring. So if you want to get yourself on the books and you want yourself to get one-on-one coaching sessions, whether it's spiritual growth, whether it's uh, coaching on singleness, coaching on relationships, coaching on entrepreneurship, branding and branding identity, contact me. Um, the link will be in the description box below, or you just simply go to my website, IamUnplugged.com, hit the tab, custom coaching, and get a slot today because they're filling. I'm not filling up, but it, but it's, it's going to get hot. And you guys are the only ones I promoted to so far. I haven't put it on Facebook or Instagram at all. So if you want to be a part of it, I'm giving the YouTube audience the first dibs. And then I'm going to go into Facebook. Then I'm going to go into um, IG and Twitter and, and, and local and see who all wants to fill up the rest of those coach sessions. But get your questions right. I'm excited. What's up, Nicole? What's up, Elizabeth? What's up, everybody? Queen, Aries, Jessica, favorite one. What's up, everybody? I thought you was going to say it's summertime, meaning we're the most breakups and chaos. Nah, nah. This is summertime for me to help you guys out with any type of issues. You can get in one-on-one coaching sessions from me. Just submit your, it's a budget. Whatever you can do, I'll see what I can do with what you can do. But do your best, and I'll do my best with whatever budget you have. And I'm here to serve you guys this summer. I'm excited about it. Let's get to the questions. What's up? Good afternoon. I'm addicted to a psychic and I don't know what to do. They say I got negative energy, so I'm thinking about it. You always got to be very careful when you engage with any form of the occult. Any engage with the, any form of the occult leads to some type of demonic oppression. A lot of people are demonically connected to psychics, to uh, mediums, to different individuals because they need that control for power. They need for you to be demonically oppressed or demonically supplied so that you can always keep coming back to them to make more money and for them to have even more control. But there's no type of addiction, no type of attachment that God cannot break. You just got to get to the root cause of why you were brought to him in the first place. And what you do is you break legal right to that demonic psychic by simply going before God, repenting from me for even going to them, repent for that sin, release your control of, of the demonic spirits, but 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 none of that is possible without you first observing and self-examining yourself to see, okay, where did I open this door? Why did I go to them for, for, for knowledge or whatever? They're going to always say you have negative energy. They're going to always say something to get more control on you and to make more money from you. So what you do is whatever pamphlet, whatever business card, whatever, whatever, throw it away, burn it, get rid of it. <clears throat> Repent before God, say, Heavenly Father, I've sinned. I've went to another place for wisdom and knowledge outside of you. God, forgive me for trusting someone else to be my guide. I'm relinquishing. I'm breaking all ties to them right now in Jesus' name. And, I, and the Holy Spirit, I thank you for revealing in me any other demonic connections and ask God to deliver you and, and surround you with the right accountability to help guide you through this process. Listen, you know, you're not addicted. If you keep saying you are, you will be. Um, but like I said, you got to assess yourself, examine what was the core reason why you went to that psychic. 
uh, breaking in the spiritual realm by confessing your sins to God and, and through your authority in him. Look up some scriptures on your authority in Christ and build your faith up so that when you break that legal right that that demonic spirit has because you entertain the occult, once you break that, then you're free. Right. Um, it's a little bit more details of that. Email me. Let me know how I can help where I can kind of break it down a little bit more. But that's the the, 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 the three, one, two, three steps of how to break your addiction to that. But you, but listen, you can break your addiction to the psychic. But but if but if you haven't dealt with the root cause of why you start the psychic in the first place, you're just going to find yourself going to somewhere else or be tempted to possibly go back to them again. All right. Let's get right to it. What are the steps to stop self-condemnation? Good question. It seems like it won't go away. Condemnation is a, is the fruit of a thought pattern. You know how you have trail of thoughts? I have a thought pattern. I have, here are the trails of my thoughts. <clears throat> Somewhere in your mind, there's no clear clarity on what the word of God says about the situation that you entertain that birthed the sin, that birthed the condemnation. Whatever is the core reason of why you are in this condemnation season, whether it's uh, self in, self inflicted, whether it was inflicted by a significant other or someone, you have to forgive that person or forgive yourself. If you do not break it through forgiveness, then you're going to always entertain those thought patterns, those different things on that path that will constantly find that will constantly uh, uh, oppress you because you haven't let it go. Listen, I refuse to waste time being condemned when I am free in Christ. Jesus has set you free. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. And you got to do your part into going into God's word, gathering clarity about the issue where this condemnation was conceived and then ask the Holy Spirit to really wash. Listen, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have there's areas in your mind that has yet to be renewed by God's word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you want your faith to be increased where condemnation is decreased, you got to go to God's word. If it's a lust thing, look up <clears throat> just in no matter what issue it is, go to Google right now and type scriptures on on uh, authority in Christ, scriptures on um, um, who I am in Christ, scriptures on uh, the contradictory uh, principles that comes against those issues that are uh, pressuring you mentally. If it's lust. Go and find what the word of God says about setting you free from lust. And what does the word of God say about uh, forgiveness and what the word of God says about abstaining from certain things. And by you just renewing your mind in the word of God, you would then begin to find yourself less condemned. Condemnation is the fruit of is the fruit of no clarity or the lack thereof. Right. So I'm condemned because. Yes, it's valid what I did, but the word of God trumps the validity of what I did. I can always go to God. I have access for repentance. I can confess my sin and be made new and, 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 and actually be transformed. But if you don't know what the word of God says about anything, that's the very area the devil will use for you to be soaking in condemnation. Hope that helped. It will go away, but you have to uh, go to God's word for clarity. All right, let's keep going. How can you stand firm on a specific sin strongly? First off, you can't stand on your own strength. You you cannot conquer sin. I can give you four or five steps to overcoming sin, but if but if but if you don't know who you're sourced by, if you don't know um, who who's the real power that will help you uh, overcome uh, sin, because of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to fall into sin anymore. Back in our old man, we were inclined to sin in every way. 
But as your mind becomes mentally renewed about who you are in Christ and the righteousness that's been imputed on you and the favor that God has given you and the love that he has for you, that doesn't mean that you just continue in sin because grace abounds. It's just saying that the more I begin to understand God and his attributes and appreciate the sacrifice of the son and, and, be, and, and, and allow my day to be full of joy, because the Bible says in his presence, there's a fullness of joy. And in that continuous a basic habit of of <clears throat> of acknowledgement, appreciation, and and the right type of attitude, which is gratitude daily. Then, when it comes to sin, <clears throat> you ain't gonna want nothing to separate you from productivity. Sin separates you. Now, if you're a son or daughter in God, uh, and you've been sealed by a spirit. When sin separates, sin separation doesn't mean you're outside of the family of God. You're no longer saved. Separation, what sin does is separating you from the opportunity to be endorsed and empowered by. It affects your productivity. When you fall into sin, you can't really be productive because God's not going to endorse uh, sinful habits that, 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 uh, uh, that, that you are intentionally and knowingly doing. Now, in order to overcome that, <clears throat> You first got to look at yourself and say, why am I falling into this sin? Where in my mind am I yet renewed in the area of understanding about who I am in Christ and the things that can be done by me cooperating with the sanctification work of the, the son's spirit? Then when you begin to write those little things down, like, man, okay, it seems like every Thursday around this time, it seemed like every Friday evening around this time, it seemed like every Sunday afternoon around this time. Then <clears throat> ask the Holy Spirit to give you systems and support so that when you find yourself in those moments of weaknesses, you have already built up habit where you acknowledge God, letting him know, Father, I am weak. And the Bible says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. He's not talking about that you can't lift nothing. It just means when you acknowledge that you're weak, whether it's with a female, with a man, with a lady or a man, or if it's with money or if it's with pornography, if whatever it is. If you if you if you acknowledge your own strength, but don't acknowledge where the strength really comes from, you're going to fall into that sin. Eventually, it may not be daily or weekly like I used to, but it may be monthly. So you just got to say, OK, my strength is made perfect. God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. The Bible says when you stand, take heed lest you fall. So many people stand after four months like, yes, I overcome this sin and they stop being proactive and staying consistent with the things of God when it comes to acknowledging God, uh, appreciating God, acknowledging God and having the right attitude <clears throat> in my day to day life. Four months, you standing. Oh, look, I overcome this. Two weeks later, you're back in the sin again. <clears throat> so you know how to stand firm. Know that you can't stand in your own strength. You need to always uh, have a life that appreciates who God is. And who he is as an individual, his attributes, you have to acknowledge God when you're weak, acknowledge God every day, talk to him, commune with him, have a pray through a dialogue, communicate back and forth and, and know that joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. There we go. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The right type of attitude. If I have the right type of attitude and I'm in the presence of God and I'm joyful and I'm content with what I have. <clears throat> That's the, that's the type of climate that habitual sin cannot thrive in. Appreciation, acknowledgement, and the right attitude. Those things in your life, you don't even really want to fall into sin. Now, you may make mistakes, but you ain't going to be habitual with them, if that makes sense. <clears throat> Great questions, y'all. Uh-oh, about messed up again. Messed up, sorry. Uh, let me find your questions again. All right, here we go. Here we go. Good questions, y'all. These are good. 
Okay. Queen says, I tend to leave jobs when I don't like it. Just got a new job after seven months of unemployment. Is my new job a test to endure? Yes. If you have a habit of quitting, God can't really trust you. Because when it comes to ministry, we're not even talking about preaching ministry or pastoral ministry. We're just talking about your purpose. You got to have a, a long suffering. See, I worked at many, not many jobs, but a handful of jobs for long periods of time. And there were moments where I'm like, God, I don't like it here. But I realized that one of the fruits of the spirit or one of the components of the fruit of the spirit. The Bible doesn't say fruits as in plural, it says the fruit. But one of the components of the fruit of the spirit is the fact that I have to be long suffering. And the Bible says they that endure to the end shall be saved. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap if you faint not. The Bible talks a lot about endurance and God is going to bring you as his daughter opportunities to test that endurance. Not liking a job is never a good reason to leave a job unless that job is just whatever. The only reason why you should do anything is because God told you. Right. Because what if God wanted you to stay there? What the job you at now? What if God wants you to stay there for 10 years, even if you don't like it or five years, if you don't like it? Because life is not just about you. God has you there for a reason. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. You're not employed by them, per se. You are an ambassador that God allowed to be employed at that job for the kingdom's use. See what I'm saying? So sometimes many people find themselves at jobs and like, God, I don't like it here. But God's like, listen, you are first my ambassador. What keeps me focused and blossoming at a job or blossoming wherever God has planted me is to understand that I am an ambassador of God here. The Bible says work unto the Lord. When you work into God, your F, your F, your work ethic and your skill sets will always trump the employer's expectation because you're not working for the employer's expectations per se, but you're working for God's expectations, which will exceed their expectation. And you'll work in a level of excellence that, that if it doesn't matter how many people get laid off because you are an excellent worker, you will always have a job. But endurance is key. Those who are who do things in excellence are people at the core of at their character are enduring people, people who can endure, people who can suffer long. Long suffering is having the ability to suffer long periods of time for 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 uh, for the glory and for the assignment of God. So to answer your job, I mean, answer your question. Uh, if you tend to leave jobs when you don't like it, you have to change that mindset because any successful person would tell you that that there's life is not about perfect conditions and a perfect job. You got to be able to know that everything that you do as a believer is rooted in you being led by God. It doesn't matter. People leave churches. People leave jobs. People leave marriages. They never, never consulted God. Left the job. Never consulted God. Left the marriage, never consulted God. Just do what they want to do. And that's not the right attitude to have. And as you grow in the maturity of, of God and the things of God, you will begin to see the beauty of endurance. Because no matter what, enduring, being able to endure is a great trait to have. Yes, your, your new job is definitely a test. Aries, okay, when Paul said he wished that we can be like him as far as marriage, did he mean if you're not married, then you have to remain uh, uh, celibate or absent until God comes? Now, Paul was just like, look, man, <clears throat> I'm going to let y'all in on something because Paul was married. Paul was married, right? I don't know all the details about his marriage. I don't know if he was still married or his wife died. The Bible doesn't give clarity about that, but he was, in order for him to be a, a part of the Sanhedrin, he had to be married, okay? So um, 
uh, Sanhedrin, Pharisees, whatever he was. Sanhedrin, I know for sure, he had to be a part of, he had to be married. Now, what Paul was saying there was like, look, man, like, I'm going to let y'all know in on something. Like, as a single brother, as a man that's not married, you can get more done for God. So many people idolize the idea of marriage, but he was like, I wish that you guys understood what I understood that while you're single, man, yo, be celibate, be abstinent, do the things of God, because once you're married, your time is cut in half. So I got to read that text a little bit more to so I can really uh, exegete and rightly divide it. But off face value. Now, take this as a grain of salt, off face value from what I can remember from the scriptures, what I believe Paul is trying to say, hey, man. You get married, your time's cut in half, but don't neglect your singleness because with your singleness, you are able to devote so much time to God. So I think in that specific story, if I'm if I'm not wrong, he's probably communicating with a group of people that wants to get married so bad. He's like, but I wish you guys were like me. If y'all guys understood, ladies understood the, the much more you can do while singles that are rushing to be married, maybe you will get a lot more done for God. All right, Queen says, I really, I don't really enjoy the job I'm in right now. Now, you got to test. You either say, hey, I'm going to utilize this to help me build my endurance. But you, at the core of your belief system, has to have within its contractual agreement, <laughs> as far as your beliefs and the, the word of God in the Bible, then one of the agreements must be, I only do what my heavenly father tells me to do, period. Jesus said that, listen, I only do what I see my father do. I only go where, I, where my father sends me. We as believers have to make that a part of our habit where we're able to say, hey, I'm not leaving here no matter how bad it is until God tells me. So if you don't really like your job right now, go to God and say, God, do you want me to stay here? And if God says stay, you stay. He has a reason that will build, that will build fulfillment and joy later. How can we know the roots if, if you are affected as a child? Um, are you talking about uh how can we know the roots if we are affected as a child? Roots as far as what? Now I know I got a lot of questions um that's gonna be at the bottom of this, but if I'm if I think I know what you're saying, um generational curses, uh uh roots as far as witchcraft placed on you. Holy Spirit is immensely wise. The Holy Spirit was there when the roots were planted, the roots were submitted, and he will let you know and lead and guide you to all truth. Now the base, the uh, the foundational principle of understanding why you are what you are today is to really just look back at your life, look at your look at the characteristics of your father, look at the char characteristics of your mother, look at the characteristics of yourself. <clears throat> if you see a, a trend, then chances are something was placed. Now go back. If you and your mom and dad are cool, go talk to them and say, how was grandma? If you didn't know your grandma, if you know your grandma, look at what was trend trending in your family. What has been trending throughout your family lineage? If all the women in your family come out doing the same thing and all the men in your family come out doing the same thing, then there's a generational curse or root work that has been done in your family lineage where the demons are territorial of your family. Now, what you have to do now is, is know for a fact that it doesn't matter what happened in your family, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It don't matter what curse was placed on uh, uh, great, great grandpapa who and great, great grandmama who. It don't matter what was placed on them. You know for a fact what was placed on you, and that's the blood of Christ. And you have authority. But when the mind is not renewed and understanding the demonic work that is working through the lineage of a family, you through your ignorance, I'm not saying you're ignorant, but through us, through our ignorance, will allow the curse to continue. But when you out of your mouth through a mental renewed understanding of what is going on or who you are in Christ, you are now able to nip that thing in the bud 
snip it, cut it, and it will be out away from your life and no longer affect you or your generations before you. All right. So look at the characteristics of your family. Look at the characteristics of the men, the women and and just the family period. Build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the spirit, looking the word of God, renewing your mind according to who you are in Christ and utilize the word, the Bible itself as your authority uh, position to snip and counsel. So what you can say is, Heavenly Father, I thank you for being my deliverer. The word of God, Lord, you said in your word that whom the son sets free is free indeed. You then once you say that phrase, then, then confess the things that you have known and recognized in your family. Lord, Heavenly Father, I, I confess um, the sins that I have committed that is in contribution or contributing to um, um, this root work in my life. From that, you begin to make it clear in the spirit realm that I renounce uh, uh, the sin of greed in my life, the sin of lust in my life, the sin of pride. Get as specific as possible. Get a sheet of paper and write down every characteristic that's not biblical uh, for a believer down. Renounce them before you and seal it knowing that through the authority of Christ, I will, I will walk my life freed from these curses in Jesus' name. And you actually got to live it out. You just can't pray that prayer and then go back and practice it. No, you got to let the Holy Spirit free reign in leading you forward. So those residue, those things won't come back in your life. Hello, coach. How can I determine whether to trust someone to be an accountability partner slash mentor if I don't necessarily have anyone close enough to me? Great question. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that he's your comfort. He's your internal counsel, right? Your internal mentor, right? And so your internal accountability, right? I always tell people never set your external counsel without first consulting your internal counsel. Everything must go through the spirit. Everything must go through the Holy Spirit. Everything must go through him. He has to select your accountability. And in the meantime, when there is no accountability set, when there's no accountability there as far as people you have to build that relationship with God first. God will oftentimes strip a lot of people out of your life until, until you are able to build a solid foundation in your friendship and relationship with him. Because if that's not solid, no matter who you have as your mentors, you either idolize them or you will overly um, um, glean from them and never have no equity in your relationship with God that is actually your best counsel. Now, how do you determine whether to trust someone to be an accountability partner? Number one, go through the spirit of God. Let the spirit of God discern them. Never put somebody in your life without giving yourself time to discern them. Meaning if a person says, hey, I want to be your mentor, you ought to say, you know what? That's cool. Uh, not, 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 don't say it's cool, but just say, oh, wow. Well, thanks. Or, or, or let's just say you pursuing that mentor. Don't pursue nobody unless you know for a fact the Holy Spirit has given you clearance. Now, discernment is different to a degree to different people because I think the Holy Spirit utilizes your unique traits, characteristics um, to communicate with you to let you know that it's him speaking. So how the Holy Spirit talks to me is yay or nay, is yes or no. I feel it in my spirit. When I see a person that I may admire, whatever, from a mentoring standpoint, you know, this is when I was younger, I knew that was something right. There was a gentleman who wanted to prophesy over my life, that wanted to mentor other guys, wanted to mentor and be involved in my life. And the spirit was just like, no. And I only have really two men, like one solid mentor in my life right now. And that's my pastor. But that, but that was a relationship that was built 
since I was 14, 15 years old. And, and I see the hand of God and the divine connection of us two. And so, so I don't really look for nobody else because first off, I don't really care about mentoring per se, because I, I, I appreciate mentoring and I'm glad that I have my pastor as a mentor, but, but he's not greater than, than the one that mentors me daily. I may meet with him once a quarter, but I get to meet with the Holy Spirit every day. The first thing I'm going to tell you is embrace the mentorship that the Holy Spirit wants to offer you. And from that, let him begin to surround you with other mentors because it's through your relationship with God, through his spirit that you're able to build the discerning traits. And the Bible talks about uh, asking for discerning, like discerning as a gift to ask for the ability to discern. It's cool. Say, Holy Spirit, help me to discern better. Help me to be sensitive. But if you grieving him and you practicing sins and you all in the mess, he ain't going to you ain't going to really be able to hear him. So listen, embrace the mentorship through the Holy Spirit. And from that mentorship, he will begin to give you the discernment you need to be able to know yes or no if a person should be your accountability partner and mentor. But let me give you some things that let you know <laughs> uh, what type of mentors not to have. Let me see if I'm really good at this. M-E-N-T-O-R. If they're messy, if they're messy in their own life, don't even trust them. If, 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 they're, if they're not really minding the ministry that God wants them to mind, if, if there's a person who don't even take care of his wife, don't take care of his uh, her family or his family, they don't, they put everything else before them, they're messy. E, you got to ask yourself, does this person even have the energy for me? Because God ain't going to surround you with someone who ain't going to be able to have the grace to mentor you. Some people, they, they, they you look at them, I want that person to be my mentor, but you got to understand that people that come in your life that are divine people, they're going to be able to have the grace for you. <clears throat> and you got to make sure you have a mentor that's not afraid to say no. That's not afraid to tell you about yourself. No, that's wrong. No, that's not right. You have to be ready for that. If you really want to be ready for a mentor, you got to be able to ready to accept their no. But you also got to look at what they say no to, right? Because if they say no to certain things where they should say yes, you can't trust them. E-M-E-N-T. T. Um, what do they treasure? What do they treasure in life? Do they treasure money? Do they treasure success more than they treasure the things of God? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. M-E-N-T-O. Oh, do they even obey God? Do you see them obeying God's word evident in life? Do you see them actually living it out? You don't want to be mentored by someone that's solid and experienced in word alone, but not solid as far as being um, immersed in the things of God. R, I don't even know for R. Um, you don't want to be around a mentor who ain't real. All these points kind of go together. They messy, leave them alone. They don't got they, you got to make sure they have the grace for the energy for you. You got to make sure you're willing to accept them when they say no. Uh or, or you got to be able to uh, uh accept when they say no. You got to have a person that's not just a yes man. You want someone that can be able to tell you about yourself. M E N T, what do they treasure? Oh, do they even obey God's word? R I forgot what my R was, but y'all know what it is because it's on video. Let's keep going. Because y'all right, because I'd be going 10 minutes on one point. I want to get to y'all's question. I'm going to try to limit to three to five minutes per answer. And I spend a lot of time on that one. All right. God has called me to ministry and writing books, but I'm shy and insecure, and I don't want to bury my talents and have them fulfill my purpose. Listen, 2009, two, no, 2008, God told me to write my first book. And I was in the same shoes you was in. Insecure, shy, felt like I was inadequate. Who's going to listen to me? And one thing that I that I am appreciative of today is that I obeyed God. 
a book that was written 10 years ago is still bringing in money to this day. It's still, there's two things that, that book is doing in, in, in my life and the life of others, residual income and residual impact. Impact is the greater one. <clears throat> your gifts are not your gifts. <clears throat> it's crazy how we hoard around our lives as a tree, the gifts that God has placed in us that was meant for somebody else. We are a tree like a Christmas tree. And we have all these gifts that were meant to be for somebody else, to bless somebody else, to bless other people. But we keep it up under our tree year round. No, there's gift. That gift is not for you. And it's, it's selfish of us to allow insecurities and shyness to suffocate the gift inside of us. Listen, listen, if I that book opened so many doors for me, that book that the first book I ever wrote that's available on Amazon right now, Unplugged. I mean, I traveled around the world because of that book. That book led to the second book, World War Me. And the beautiful thing about finishing is that there's the enemy doesn't want you to feel the fruits of finishing. Because when you finish something, nobody can take it away from you. When you finish that book and you see how it impacts somebody's life, first off, don't write the book with money in mind. Don't do anything with money in mind. You do it with ministry in mind. Because when I wrote my first book, you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to sell 100 some copies. I ain't sell 100 copies in the first six or seven months. So, But the fact that I know is <clears throat> the people that did purchase it, it blessed them. So over time, my mindset of my giftings changed to do it only for the glory of God because you don't know what it's going to do. You know what I'm saying? And you don't want to do something with false expectations thinking that, oh, when I write this book, I'm going to have a, a, a generational wealth. That may be a possibility, but it may not happen within the first three or four years. You got to do things solely because God told you and find joy in that. And the enemy is going to always try to rob you from feeling the feelings of finish or rob you from the opportunity to produce residual income and residual impact based upon your insecurities. Insecure for what? In your own self, you can't do nothing, but in greater is he that's in you. You are now in Christ now. So if God has called you to ministry and write the book, you got to do it, but you have to do it with the right mindset. You got to do it because God told you, because God told Moses. He was like, yo, you talking about me that you studying, can't get you get your words out. But he says, man, who made your mouth? Sometimes God uses the people with noticeable, noticeable hindrances so that he can get the ultimate glory. If you went to Princeton, got four or five degrees, I'm not sitting knocking these people because God can utilize education. But what I'm saying is some people, they get all these uh, uh, accolades and accomplishments and they get puffed up in themselves. But sometimes God uses people with noticeable hindrances or, or a background that doesn't match the level of, of grace that they have about themselves because he knows I can get the more ultimate glory from them. Use your insecurities as a testament that you're supposed to do this because anything that God tells you to do, you're going to feel insecure about because it's too big for you to do. Anytime God tells me to do something that, 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 that's requiring him as the main person, I'm insecure insecurities pop up when you least expect it. Insecurities pop up when you face something that is bigger than you. So when I have children, when I, before I got married, there's some insecurities there. It was, I didn't live in those insecurities, but insecurities rise up. It, you can't control the insecurities that rise up. You can control what you do with those insecurities. If you let those insecurities sit there, then all of a sudden you're not going to be the type of husband or wife you need to be or the whatever. 
But if you say, no, I cast down those vain imaginations. I am well able to possess this land. I will go out and recover all. I will do what God has told me to do. Then you are able to execute in a greater power. When I, get, when I have kids, there's going to be some insecurities. I've never been a father before. When it's time for a ministry to expand where I've never been before, there's going to be insecurities because I've never been there before. You've never been in ministry. You never wrote a book. But remember, coach was there at one time. And oh, I'm so glad that I did it because look at the 1,300 videos later. Look at the 40 plus cities that I've traveled to and once to Nigeria. Like, 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 man, I'm so glad that I obey him because usually God will utilize that one little small thing of obedience to open many doors of opportunities. Do not allow insecurities, inadequacies, or fear rob you from doing what God wants you to do because you're going to feel insecure because God's never going to bring nothing human size to you. God is not going to have you do anything that's human size. He's going to only he's going to only have you do things God size so that he can get the ultimate glory because he knows if 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 you have the ultimate power of doing it, you're going to try to get the glory from it. But if I do it through you because it was too big for you to even do it on your own self and everybody who's watching knows that you don't got the degree, you don't got the education, you don't got no no father as a pastor or mom in ministry. But when God does it through you, people will be able to say she couldn't do it on her own merit. God, something, someone, something greater. I have no college degree. I have no preachers in my family. <laughs> There's nothing in my past as far as whatever that proves me qualified. The only thing that qualifies me to do this is the Holy Spirit that endorses it and speaks through my lips. And he makes, he dumbfounds the people who has more than me, but I am doing more than them through a greater glory because I know for a fact, promotion doesn't come from them. Wisdom doesn't come from them. It comes from God. <clears throat> can I have your email address coach? Yes, you can. It's uh, my coaching uh, email me through my website. Email me through my website. Go to uh, IamUnplugged.com. Cause uh, go to IamUnplugged.com and uh, go to my contacts page. Email me there because I get those at a separate email. And um, if I give you that email, it may not work clear. Um, but if but if that don't work, just uh, try UnpluggedCharlotte at gmail.com. Try that. I just get a lot of emails there. How you defeat pornography and how do you know that your partner is the one? Good questions. How you defeat pornography? You can't defeat pornography. Only the Holy Spirit can defeat pornography. You hit first, in order to cooperate with the defeat through the Holy Spirit, defeating pornography in your life, you have to understand what pornography is. You got to understand what does it do to your mind? What does it do to your family? Like people understand that pornography warps the mind. It warps the mind. It gives a false sense of desire. It gives a false sense of pleasure and a false sense of expectation. That's what pornography does. False sense of pleasure, false sense of expectation. If you, if you have practiced the pleasing of yourself by watching professionals, then when you get a regular wife, a regular, see, people understand a mistress and a wife are two totally different people. And those two different type of people are only going to benefit what you have in your heart. If you have love in your heart, then you're going to really appreciate your wife. If you get married, but you have lust as a dominant force in your heart, then your wife ain't going to be able to meet the expectation of that lust. And what pornography does, it gives you, <clears throat> it, it warps your mind into a false sense of pleasure because it's on demand pleasure. 
Watching pornography and masturbation is on-demand pleasure. On-demand pleasure. I mean, give me about a few minutes, whatever, and I'm pleased. Now, the expectation of a wife doing that for you or a husband doing that for you may not be within the time span of that on-demand pleasure. So you have to be very careful, not even careful. You just got to get rid of that thing out of your life because you're going to be setting up your future life for failure because your wife can't be, your wife, a wife ain't a mistress. Do you know what a mistress does? Do you know what a side chick's quality, do you know what a side chick's, um, 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 a credentials are a mistress credentials are they don't have wife credentials they have pleasing credentials alone so when you marry a wife a wife actually cares about the home she cares actually about your well-being she gonna be wearing that bonnet she ain't gonna be as as dolled up quote unquote 24 7 like the false uh a narrative is about a mistress oh she's not gonna wear the the certain clothing she's not gonna a wife ain't gonna um attend or or the wife is not is a wife is not designed um to be a lustful tool you see what i'm saying so when you understand that a wife and a mistress or a wife or a woman of pleasure is two totally different people and the bible talks about that a woman a harlot is a deep pit and she kills men after men and so if you watching these harlots god forgive me for saying i'm not i'm not gonna call them watching these ladies uh uh perform these, these different things and your brain is registering that this type of sex is what's going to please me. Then when your, what if your wife can't do 90% of the stuff that that woman on the screen can do, then now you, because expectation is the, is the prerequisite to disappointment. When you have a false expectation sexually, false expectation in regards to lust, then what happens when we have that false expectation of, 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 of what lust gives then you're going to be disappointed when your wife can't do what the woman on the screen can do. And men are doing that. They love their wives, but they've been addicted to pornography so long that their that their private part can't get can't can't even uh, his private part is not even triggered by her because it's only triggered by lustful things. You understand? He has a mind too, and he's going to start. He's only going to be triggered by what you what is your dominant um, desire. And so if your dominant desire is lust and your wife is in a bonnet and your wife is not dolled up and she wants sex and it's like two o'clock in the morning and she didn't have time to put on makeup, she ain't had time to put on that cute, whatever, cute, cute thing that you like, then you ain't going to get up for her because you want lust. You want some, you want to, you want to sing. You want her to walk into the room. You want her to call you all, man, it's warping your mind. False sense of pleasure because it's on-demand pleasure, right? You got to watch out for on-demand pleasure because on-demand pleasure warps your mind from, from being pleased the right way. There's a, there's a type of pleasure that God wants us because God created sex. And it's a certain type of pleasure that sex is supposed to give a husband and a wife. But the enemy perverted it through lust and through pornography and through sex because he knows that... Uh, to, uh, sex is only safe in a marriage where both the husband and wife are completely submitted to God. No other place is sex safe. So if people have sex outside of that context, then it's going to warp their mind because now they're comparing their husband to the four guys that they had in their whole life, or he's comparing her to the pornography flicks that he watched. And all of a sudden, when they do come into intimacy, no one's fully pleased. And there's it's a bunch of sex, but no love. Making people make a, you got to watch out. 
The what you practice in your single life will determine what type of love you make when you marry. And most people are not making love to their wife or husband. They're making lust with them. And then when that woman can't meet that lustful expectation, every lustful woman or lustful man out there, that now their eyes and ears are open to their to their prayers. To their to, eyes and ears are open to their praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, because they know my husband's a good man, but he doesn't know how to do this. My wife's a great woman, but man, I just wish she could do it like this woman over here. That's what pornography does to your mind. It warps you. False on-demand pleasure leads to uh, false expectations. False expectations then leads to you being disappointed when it comes to really uh, doing the things of love with your husband or wife. Hope to help. Now, how do you know that your partner is the one? Um, it's going to be hard to know what's for you if you're, if you're practicing that habit, right? So what you got to do is you got to put position yourself in a place of peace, a place of purity so that you're able to really sense and discern. Most people try to ask if the person is the one after they done had sex with them, after they done did a bunch of stuff with them. And now all those experiences are clouding the mind. It's clouding your judgment. And now it's hard for you to decipher. What you may need to do is take a break from that person and say, I got to get, I got to work on me. Never entertain somebody when you know you're not fully sustained, when you're not fully prepared, because God is not going to bring you the one if you ain't the one that one needs. Hope that helps. I, I know I am called to the entertainment slash media industry. However, I want the Lord. Now, if you want more, man, listen. If you need my help this summer, man, I'm here for the one-on-one coaching. Please contact me at IamUnplugged.com. I'm here to help you. If you want some one-on-one coaching where I can go a little bit deeper and give you uh, your custom coaching and custom worksheets where that's, that can help you in your specific needs, man, contact me. I'll love to help you this summer. I know I am called to the entertainment slash media industry. However, I want the Lord to direct my path. Should I quit my job and move to New York City? Or wait on him to make something happen, which is more of God. Wait till he'll make something happen. Because New York City, LA, Atlanta, or wherever city that you think where your purpose can thrive is overrated. Most people who grew up in a small town, most people who grew up in a small city or grew up in a city that doesn't have, that that doesn't offer what they need, chances are they have a, a, a false expectation of that city. And what happens is they so excited and so ready to go, not realizing that anything you do before God's timing leads to leads to unnecessary consequences. What I mean by that is you got to be led by God to that city because you got to understand new new cities, new devils. You know what I'm saying? New cities, new principalities. See what I'm saying? And if you're not built up in your faith to withstand what that city your city, you've been there for a long period of time. You know what's going on in your city. You know how to navigate it. You may not be uh, deep in discernment. I'm not saying you're not, but we may not be. Like, I know the principality over Charlotte. I know what my Charlotte is known for. I know what my city is known for demonically. You know what I'm saying? I know um, what Tulsa was like demonically. Um, I knew what Nigeria was when I was there for four weeks. You see what I'm saying? Like, but, but, but I'm not just going to move to a city that I'm not ready for the principalities and the demonic order in that city. Because you got to understand, if you're called to the entertainment media industry, there are certain sacrifices you have to make. There are certain things that you have to compromise. There's going to be certain things that's going to affect you 
you and your walk with God. And you got to be prepared because you understand you're only elevated to the top by one or two powers, either demonically or divinely. The demonic route is the fast route, but you got to compromise, sell your soul. There's a lot of things you got to do to entertain, to, to, to be in the media. But if you go to God's route, God will protect you as he promotes you. You need protection with promotion. You can't push yourself in a city or promote yourself to the city and then and then ask God to protect you outside of his purpose. Now, he may give you grace because of you made a decision based upon immaturity or whatever, but you got to make decisions with him in mind and only go when he tells you. And you right now got to ask yourself, why do I want to be in entertainment media ministry? Oh, but if you call to it, then you call to it. You already know. But you just got to be ready what comes with being called in a secular arena. So you got to go there when God tells you. Hey, coach, thank you for your words. You are so welcome, queen. No problem. God bless you. I've been dating a wonderful man of God. He proposed to me and I said, yes, that's beautiful. But I'm unsure. But I'm unsure of it. However, everyone, including my past, says I need to. Give me one second. I, give me one second. That, that right there, that right there. I'm going to help you. I'm about to help you right now, Tiffany. I've been dating a wonderful man of God. Not all men of God. I'll break it down once I read it. <clears throat> I've been dating a wonderful man of God. He proposed to me and I say yes, but I'm unsure of it. However, everyone, including my past, says I need to marry him, that he's the one I'm confusing. Ain't nobody, can't nobody tell you who the one is, if, if you unsure, that God is never going to speak to a pastor or your family before he speaks to you. Prophecy and confirmation comes after God has given you certainty, 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 surety, 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 confidence, confidence, confidence. If you unsure, go to that young man right now. And I ain't your pastor, but go to that man right now. But you got to be ready for the backlash. What you let me let me give you the right counsel. I got in my feelings. I got I'm, I'm ready to defend Tiffany. So I'm about to go to the death with Tiffany right now. But I got I, I I can't just I can't tell you what to do. This is what I suggest you do. This is what I would do. I will go to God and say, God, if I made any mistakes. If I made a mistake saying yes to this man, if I made any mistakes in doing something outside of your will, give me the grace to go through what I'm about to go through. Right. Because usually when people go against the grain of their village, the village then begins to stone the person they love just two days ago. Right. So what you got to do, God, prepare me for what I'm about to face. But you got to do what's best for you. If you are unsure, you need to, after you talk to God, that's what I would do. I would go to God say, God, look, I made a mistake. If I made a mistake and I know I said yes prematurely or I say yes to the one wrong one, your valid standpoint is this, that you are unsure. So when you go to them and say, you know what? You are a wonderful man of God. But I think I said, I know I say, don't even say I think because they're going to try to convince you. Think and know is two totally different words. When you say, I think I made the wrong decision, they're going to think that you are unsure about it. That's why you go to God first to know to build your confidence so that you'll go to him and say, what I did, I know I said yes prematurely. I know that you're a wonderful man of God, but right now I am unsure about it and I will let you know when I'm sure. The man already pursued you. You go and say, you know what? I'm unsure about this. 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a prolong or delay or cancel the engagement now because I don't want to waste your life and I don't want to waste my life when I'm unsure. Never make decisions in uncertainty. You may be unsure about the outcome, but one thing you must be sure is that God told you to go in that sure direction. If you don't have clearly clarity from God to go in that sure direction, then it doesn't, because it doesn't matter what God tells you to do. There's going to be some uncertainty, but if you got God, like when God, when I knew for a fact that my wife was my wife and I knew for a fact that I was sure about it, it didn't matter what I faced throughout my, my, my courtship with her. I, I had that as my foundation. If you do not have confirmation from God and clarity from God as your foundation, you ain't going to be able to weather anything. If you are unsure now, you're going to be unsure at that altar. If you're unsure right now, you're going to be unsure in that bed with him after you done been married. So you are doing both of y'all a favor by saying, yo, I'm not sure. He, if he gets upset, cool. If he cares about you and cares about you and your feelings with God, he may be disappointed because that's natural. But if he starts telling you that you ain't you wrong and you lying, and if your pastor comes around talking about you making a bad mistake, leave that church. Get on up out. Tell God, look, we out. I'm, on, I'm coming back when God tells me to come back. But for right now, we out. Now, I can't tell you to leave your church. I'm not saying to leave your church. But what I'm telling you is their response to what you have to say about you being unsure will let you know their motives with you. Some people want to live vicarious through your life. That pastor was wrong telling you that that one, I don't know now, did your pastor say he was the one says, I? oh, if he says you need to marry him, man, bro, you don't tell me what I need to do. And I don't care what the village got to say. You For God, you live, for God, you die, period. If you unsure, don't make a decision. And if you make a mistake, God will grace you with it and give you confidence because he knows that was a learning experience. Go back to that man. Go to God first. Build your confidence and strength. Go to that man and say, right now, I'm not sure. And I need a little bit more time to be sure. If the pastor in the village gets upset, tell that village and the pastor to kick rocks. That's just me. In the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. I don't know if that was me or the Holy Spirit talking, but if it was me, take it with a grain of salt. But if it registers with your spirit, do what you got to do. Hey, what's up from Baltimore? What's up? God is not the author of confusion. If you confuse, you're being used. <clears throat> if you confuse, you're being used. God is the author of clarity. He is not the author of confusion. If you unsure or confused, the devil's work is around you. Next question. Amanda says, in an unequally yoked relationship, I'm in an I'm in an un uh, okay. <clears throat> I'm in an unequally yoked relationship and find it tough to break free because it's because because it's oh sorry y'all. I'm Tiffany, my bad. I, I I'm 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 still. All right, let me read this sentence with, with, with clarity. In an I'm in an unequally yoked relationship, and I find it tough to break free because it's become my new norm. Mm. God is literally showing me a way out and convicting me, but I'm feeling paralyzed and scared. Any advice? Right now, you're not needing advice. You need an encouragement. And I'm encouraging you, if God is showing you the way out, you need to get out. Now, what God is going to show you on the way out, because you got to pack your bags, get your clutch purse, and get up out, because what he's going to tell you is, that that no matter what you endeavor to be tied to with this individual, you're not going to be happy at the end. 
first off, you're unequally yoked. You have all the evidence in front of you letting you know that you need to get out of this relationship. New norms, like, listen, it doesn't matter what the new norm is. God has a better norm, right? And, and so if you're used to, and that, that's, there we go. A lot of people's heart is, okay, it's hard for people to get out of situations because it's the part of their everyday life. The enemy wants us to be soul tied to a season. <clears throat> Some people were meant to be in your life for a season. Some people were meant to be in your life forever, right? So what happens is seasonal people, we get attached to more often because of how it makes us feel. Usually that's the fruit of idolatry. We, we, didn't, we may not be idolizing the individual. We may have been idolizing what that individual brings, brings comfort, brings security, brings stability. We, we, eat, we go to Chinese on Sunday. We, go, we get Mexican on Tuesday. We get pasta on Fridays. It's your normal routine. And you got so lost in your normal routine that you lost yourself. Anytime you lose yourself in what you're doing, you lose yourself. Right. The more you lose yourself in something, you lose your own identity. You lose what makes you valuable. And when your value is predicated on who you connected to, then all of a sudden when you when you disconnected from that thing or it becomes paralyzing to leave because you're like, who am I? That's the issue. People stay in stuff they shouldn't because they didn't know they don't know who they are. See, like like I love the things that I'm involved. I love my job, but I'm not attached to my job. I love my ministry, but I'm not attached to the ministry. I love my wife, but I'm not, I'm not idolizing her. You see what I'm saying? I'm joined to her. So I can't say the word attached, but I don't idolize her because what if she leaves me tomorrow? It, what if some, what if, what if the ministry falls tomorrow? What if I lose my job? You see what I'm saying? If I'm attached to it, then I sink with it. But if, but if, but if I know for a fact, hey, I got a parachute, I'm jumping off of this uh, falling plane, I'm hitting the parachute, and I'm going on to a new phase of my life. The thing you need to do right now, Amanda, is find yourself, and you can't find yourself outside of the Word of God. You can't, because if you try to, because right now your identity is in Him. Because anytime you feel paralyzed or scared, you idolize the idea of that person, you idolize that relationship, and you don't really like you. I'm not saying you don't like you, but maybe that's the fruit of an insecurity or something about what that man offers you. Because women, I can't speak for all women because I'm not a woman, <clears throat> but the core of a woman's nature when it comes to relationship is that they want security and stability. And sometimes in order to feel what security, what security and stability brings, they welcome people who only offer security and stability one phase. Most women, some women, I can't say most, some women are with men right now who are financially stable and they feel secure. But when it comes to church, when it comes to God, he don't want to go. He don't know how to pray. He, he, he worships another God. You see what I'm saying? But you're holding on to the fact that you financially secure with this man. No. A man of God will make sure that you are secured because he's secured in God. If that man ain't secured in God, he ain't going to be able to secure you. He's going to be making stupid decisions. He's going to be making stupid practices. And when you want to give God your all, y'all can't give God your all because he don't want to give God his all. So do not allow the false senses of security and stability cause you to be stationary in a relationship that God never intended. If you know that God made a way out, run out that door and don't leave your coat. Okay. I got time. I got six more minutes and I got to go because I got church tonight. Hey, Joshua, when to tell a guy that you are celibate, especially when you're online dating, should I tell him online or wait for a day? I feel like I shouldn't waste any time. Until Listen. <clears throat> 
Okay. Tell them, tell them. I mean, you don't got to tell them nothing. I mean, you should tell. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is the real question as your coach, as Coach Josh, I'm not saying your coach, but as a person that cares about you, even though I've never met you, but I care about your question. You have to ask yourself, why are you even entertaining anybody right now? Because what we should be doing is doing what God tells us and being led by him. You have to look at your heart and ask yourself, why am I online dating? Now, people ask me, is online dating wrong? Uh, it's a waste of time, I think. Um, but 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 I think God can use any stream. I'm not sitting there saying online dating, God can't use. But every time I get asked a question like this, I always ask the person, why are you doing it? So the real question before I even answer the other questions is, why are you on online dating? What's the real reason why you're date, trying to date someone online? What's the real reason? Did God send you there? Is God pleased with the conversations you're having on there? Are you are you are you really in a place where you're content in God and not looking for somebody? Now, to answer your question, because whatever the answer to that question is will determine whether or not you stay on that website or you completely delete it based upon your willingness to answer that question honestly. Now, if you're talking to a guy, don't waste your time. Tell him you celibate. Tell him you have sex now. But the thing about it is, you got to be ready. For for one or two things, you got to be ready for that person to go ghost, or that person to uh, to go uh, coast to coast with you. Be like, look, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna rock this thing out until I break you. All right. So one or two things gonna happen when you say it. They're gonna go ghost. They're gonna try to go coast to coast with it. Listen, I'm gonna go as far as I need to go until I break this thing in your life. Right. So you got to be prepared for that. But go ahead and let them know you celibate. But does are you really celibate? Because if if you if you if it's truly a conviction of yours, then no man can break you, right? But if it's just something that you say out of your mouth, but you don't really have fruit to back it up, then you may be setting yourself up to be uh, falling into a temptation. Um, so tell him online. Don't don't meet up with him. Tell him online. See what he does. But ultimately, the real question you have to ask yourself is, why am I even doing this? Am I doing this because I, I just really want to be with somebody? Etc. All right. Next question. What should I do if my husband is involved in a doctrine that is filled with hatred and lies and goes against everything I believe as a Christian woman? It's been going on for five years together for 18. The good thing about it is about this situation, Nicole, is that there's a believer in that union. And if 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 one person is saved in a marriage, there's possibility for the other person to be impacted. Now, here are some practical things that you can do um, into ensuring that um, um, that you fight for this marriage. <clears throat> Number one, you got to ask yourself, do I love this man? If you love the man, then you will suffer along with the man. Now, if the man's abusive, if the man is hitting you, if the man is verbally abusive, then you got to go to counseling. If, if, you're, if you got a pastor, if he doesn't want to go to counseling, then I don't, I'm not saying divorce. I'm just saying you might need to separate from some for some time, but don't divorce, but separate. Now, I'm not your pastor. I'm not your whatever. So definitely seek the person that's, that, that God has joined you with. Um, but if he, if he's hitting you and whatever, you got to tell the list, you either, you get out or I'm separating right now. If the, if the man is just caught up in something, what you do is love him publicly, go to war for him privately, serve him publicly, be, be gentle, be kind. Don't even bring up his doctrine. Don't even bring up what he believes. Love him, love him, love him, love him publicly. And before you do it, ask God to strengthen you. Cause you sometimes in our own flesh, in our own selves, we can't love the unlovable, but through God, we can love the unlovable. 
So you may have to go to God and build up your worship, build up your relationship with God, because that's where your strength will come from. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That man should not dictate whether or not you're joyful or not, because your joy comes from God. And when you're full of joy in him, then when you see him, you will see him through the eyes of Jesus and you will be able to you will be having so compassion, so much love for him that the kindness, the Bible says kindness, where he calls a fire on people's heads. Now, what is that metaphor analogy saying that when you're kind to a person, even when they're caught up in whatever, it burns their mind, it renews their mind. But if you meet hate with hate or you meet hate with frustration, you meet hate with insecurities, ain't nobody's mind being renewed. Be kind to him in publicly. And go to war for him privately. Go to war. Pray for him. Pray for God delivering him. Be consistent. Chop that thing at the root. Keep hitting that thing at the same spot until that tree falls over. That's my last question, y'all. I love y'all so much. Y'all know I do. Y'all know I do. And I see all these questions. Y'all know I love you. I know you know I love y'all. But I got to go. I got to get ready for church. I got to eat. Um, spend time with my wife, but I want to make sure I give you this. What should I do Wednesday? Hope you guys was blessed by it. If you want one-on-one coaching, I'm available this summer. Um, contact me at imunplugged.com. Um, custom coaching sessions means you get one-on-one coaching with me, uh, spiritual growth coaching. I got relationship coaching. I got singleness coaching. Um, I have uh, branding, branding identity, entrepreneurial coaching. I have transition coaching. If you're going through a breakup, if you're going through a job loss, you're going through whatever kind of transition, uh, go to my website for all of my nine coaching niches. And if one of them matches what you need right now, whatever, it's not free, but whatever you can do, I will do my best, but do your best. If you, if you, if you really uh, would like that one-on-one, whatever you can do, if that's your best, I'm a tailor a custom coaching session. It may not be an hour. It may not be an hour and 30, but it may be 30 minutes and 30 minutes may just be enough. And just see what you can do. Get on my books for this summer. Um, uh, Unplug community is the first community that knows about it. I haven't rolled it out on Instagram. I haven't rolled out any of my marketing materials for it because I want to give it to the unplugger community online. And for those listening on Google Play, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud. So contact me today. I already got about 15 or so people. Um, uh, who knows? By the time I look at my emails, maybe even more. But I want to make sure that you're on there. I want to help you this summer. That's what I make my summers for. I work at an elementary school. I'm doing a camp this summer, but I'm going to have time to be able to coach um, um, you guys. So I love you guys. Contact me. Let's work. But most importantly, you got someone right now that's ready to coach you every day. And if he wants you to use me as your external coach, I love it. But make sure you understand that you got the Holy Spirit in you. I love you all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about what's a stronghold and what's a soul tie for my book, The Purpose of Freedom. Um, they got the book up here. So if you want to join us at 7.30 tomorrow, live on YouTube, we'll be right here talking, going through my book, going through some points. And uh, we're going to be talking about soul ties and strongholds part two of this book club that I'm doing here online. Love you guys. Y'all be blessed. Comment, subscribe, hit the bell. Links in the description box below for books, for card games, for ways you can give and support what I do with my mentoring programs, adult coaching resources. Love you guys. Be blessed. See y'all tomorrow. Peace.